Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. So if you're newer visiting, we've been going over Revelation chapter 4 and 5, and we didn't get through chapter 5. So verse 14, then the four living creatures said, Amen, which means so be it, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Uh, That would be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the Trinity, the Trinity or the Triunity of the Godhead. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. We thank you for all you're allowing us to do. Father, I thank you that we're not a dead church, but we're alive because of your Holy Spirit inspiring people to do things. And what a blessing, Lord, to be alive in biblical days. Just as the disciples, even Jesus told the disciples, many, many desired to see your day, and they didn't get to see it. But you, disciples, you're seeing it. The Messiah is walking amongst you. Father, we know according to your word that Jesus is coming back for his bride, the church, right on time. And we can see these are biblical days. So, Father, as we go over this verse and focus in on one word, worship, I pray for my heart and for all of our hearts that we be open to what I'm going to share because it's your word. It's not my thoughts, it's your word. And we thank you and praise you for your word. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So now as I look at this activity that's taking place in heaven in chapters 4 and 5, there's obviously one thing in my mind that stands out. Heaven is going to be filled with praise and adoration. Praise and adoration. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. This is not to the world. This is to the Bible-believing Christian. Because people come in and ask me, what is the will of God for my life? And they'll ask very specific questions, and I don't necessarily know. I will pray with you. I'll take you to the Word of God. But we can know for certain, certain wills. This is one of the wills. Why? Because it says it. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is the will of God? To rejoice always. To pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Now, I know that's hard. I know it's hard to do at all times, so you've got to read your Bible and understand, and we'll get to that as we go on. Because it is easy to say, it's not always easy to do, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be striving to do that. That's the unfortunate part I see in many Christians' lives, is because it's a little hard, reading the Bible, you want me to read my Bible every day? No, I don't want you to, I would hope you do, but it's between you and God, there's no requirement. But when we go to work and our boss says, you either learn this or else... Man, it's amazing how it happens. We don't whine and complain. We do it or we go find another job because he gives us an ultimatum or she gives us an ultimatum. I'm not giving you an ultimatum. I'm encouraging you to do what the Bible says to do. Meditate on his word day and night. So let's look at praise and adoration or what we normally call worship. Since this is emphasized in these chapters here, what is worship? Well, I go to that Christian man, Webster's, 1828 And the definition is, it's a noun, and is associated with the idea of worth or worthy. You see, Uncle Webb went back to the Word of God. And as you read his 1828 dictionary, 
you will maybe not see an exact verse laid out, and many times he does have verses in there, but you'll know he's talking about verses. He's talking about Bible verses. He was a Christian. So it's a noun associated with the idea of worth or worthy. Here's a definition given towards God, the act of paying divine honors to the supreme being. This is in his dictionary. Who is the supreme being? Allah? Muhammad? Who is the supreme? Buddha? No, God. He was a Bible-believing Christian, unashamed. Or the reverence and homage paid to him in religious exercises consisting in adoration, confession, prayer, thanksgiving, and the like. So let's ask a few questions about worship. How would you define worship? Remember last week I mentioned, think about worship. How did you maybe define worship if you did that? How important is worship to you? Is worship just a singing of songs in a church? Could worship involve prayer? Could worship involve repentance? Does worship involve the offering up of the various aspects of our lives? Time, finances, children, possessions. I personally think that when most believers hear the word worship, they think of a specific time of singing that takes place in a church setting. But in reality, what percentage of our lives is spent in that type of atmosphere? I do premarital counseling, and I love to ask the question, so I'm going to blow it for all you premaritals right now. But I'll ask premarital couples, what percentage of the day do you think you're going to spend having intimacy in your marriage? And I just love, I just love their responses. Yeah. 20%? Whoa. 50%? Wow. Wow, good luck with that. Been married 42 years, so you know. So there's 24 hours in a day, 60 minutes in an hour. There's 1,440 minutes in a day. 1% of the day is less than 15 minutes. Work that out, 20%. Hello. So how much time do we spend singing songs together as a group? 2% of one day. So is worship singing songs? Just one aspect of worship. It's just one aspect of worship. But I think the Bible shows us that worship is a lifestyle more than an individual act or experience that takes place in a church setting. You're very familiar with these verses. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, out of the New Living Translation, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Your body, your whole life, Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul, give your whole life to God. Not just a portion of your life. Hey, I'll give you an hour and a half on Sunday morning. The rest is mine. Keep it. You're not going to be very happy. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Praise God. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So practically, 
What does that worship lifestyle look like? Well, how about, and there's many verses, I just picked out a few. How about 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14? Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Speaker of the house. I watched his opening remarks that evening. He got a standing ovation many, many times. Since then, what are they attacking? His faith. Openly attacking his Christian faith. Now, if he would have said, I'm a Muslim, do you think they would have been attacking Islam over the last week? Do you think they would have been mocking the Quran over the last week? No. Guys, this is reality. We're different. We know the truth. We're not self-righteous, but we are right. And we're ambassadors for Christ. So we need to lovingly take the word of God to them because they don't know any better. Matter of fact, in your daily reading this week, you read, just uh, I think it was maybe Thursday, maybe Friday, that the God, little g, of this world has blinded them. They, they're blind. We shouldn't be surprised what people are saying about each other. Should grieve us, but not surprise us. So for you and I practically, worship is standing fast in the faith. Be brave, be strong. Let all you do be done with love. How about Hebrews 12, 1 and 2? Again, verses you're probably familiar with. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside, let us, let me, individually, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's that race? Our faith. We're not competing against each other. Don't get that idea of a race. This is not a 100-yard dash. This is a lifelong race. You retired from work. So unfortunately, that can creep into our minds. Well, I'm retired, so I retire from the church. I come on Sunday. I don't serve. I don't want to serve. I don't want any part of it. I just want to, I've retired. No, 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 no. Well, I don't want to witness to people in the grocery store, no matter what age we are. I might offend them. Yeah, you might. But you also might love them enough where they might say, you, you, you would pray for me? I don't even know you. You would pray for me? Shock them. Say, yes, I'd love to pray for you. You go out to dinner. I know it's getting harder and harder, so it's fewer and fewer. Ask the persons that's serving you. Ask them, how can we pray for you this week? We did it again this past week. The girl was like, you, you'll pray for me? Yeah, we want to pray for you for the whole week. Well, my mom's having a lot of issues. What's your mom's name? Okay, great. We'll pray for her. Ask. Enduring the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, not looking unto Calvary Chapel, not looking unto Pastor Jim, now, we're all here to help each other in the faith, but ultimately, I will disappoint. You stick around here long enough, I'll tell you right now, I will disappoint you. I'm a human. I will. That's just guaranteed. You will disappoint me. So what? Get over it, and let's move on in Christ. Because we're doing what? We're looking unto Jesus. I'll repent. You repent. I'll say I'm sorry. You say you're sorry. And life goes on. It's very simple. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. The joy? The joy? 
The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, practical things. 1 Timothy 4. For you young people, let no one despise your youth. But what can you do to show worship to God, to show that God is worthy of your time? Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And I love that this is taking place in this church. Matter of fact, a few weeks from now, the youth, the youth are going to do a music night. Now, it's going to be called a worship night, but as we're talking, and it's going to be about worship, but it's going to be a music night where they're going to do worship songs, and you're all invited. Come out and support the youth. It's going to be about 45 minutes of music, but prior to that, we're going to have, because we're called Calorie Chapel, we're going to have an agape feast in the youth building, so bring a dish to share. Yes! It's fantastic. We are so blessed. So, till I come, do what? Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. You know, in the last 20 years, this is so sad in the Christian church, where pastors, some pastors, will actually say, well, let's not divide over doctrine. Okay, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? That there's only a male and a female gender? Is, is, that, is that a doctrine? It's not a biblical doctrine, but it is a biblical doctrine. He created them what? Male and female. It's a biblical doctrine. So am I going to divide over that? Absolutely. I got no problems. Yeah, absolutely. You want to marry same-sex people? That's a big problem. That's against the word of God. So yes, I will divide over that. But you got to know the doctrine in order to divide in a loving way. Don't love them to hell. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying out of the hands of the eldership. You see, every Bible-believing Christian has a spiritual gift. Every single one of you in this room that is a Bible-believing Christian, you have a spiritual gift. I'm not talking about singing. That's not a spiritual gift. You won't find that listed as a spiritual gift. That's an earthly talent. Praise God. But you have a spiritual gift. What is your spiritual gift? Well, I didn't even know there was such a thing. Okay, well, then you've got to mature, dig into your Bible, and find out what it is, and we'll help you. We'll help you do that. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. So those are some practical things for all of us, not just young people, but for all of us. Now, as we think about a lifestyle, what a person deems worthy or valuable could actually become an idol. What does the world, ra- what does the world raise up as things of praise, adoration, or worth? Remember last week I asked you to, for homework, those of you who are here, you know, think about worship and write some things down. Well, this is what I wrote down. I think if you watch any television, if you notice any magazines, if you listen to secular music, which I would highly encourage you not to do, we have plenty of great Christian music, you'll see what the world deems as worthy. Automobiles, houses, retirement, beauty, clothes, youthful looks, and anti-aging methods. Surgeries of various types, sports figures, movie and music figures. How about people that the world deems popular? Politicians, environmentalists, status, intellects. And the list could go on and on. Now, I might step on some toes here, so you might want to put your feet under your chair. But how about children? Oh, you crossed the line, Pastor. Oh, no, not even yet. Not even yet. Don't worry. I'm going to get there. (laughs) 
Have children been raised to an unhealthy position in our society, counted even more worthy than God? Are children being treated more sacred than our Bibles? And before you shout, no. As a society, is their opinion of themselves or their needs more valued than common sense or real science? I think you know the answer. This is demonic. It's from the pit of hell. Do we spend more time focusing on the needs of our children than our own personal time in study and finding the worth or worship in the word? But let's go to the ultimate idol. What is the ultimate idol? Anybody have one on them? The phone. That's it. Now you've crossed the line. I'm out of here. The phone. The phone. You know, they're typically always within a few feet of us. Is our technology, here's the question or the comment, is our technology more worthy of our time than our Savior? That could be a question or a comment. Is it? You have to evaluate in your own life. I love technology, but it has its, and it has its place. Make sure that you keep it in its place. A few more questions about worship. What should we as Bible-believing Christians deem as worthy? Deem as worthy. How about evangelism, missionary endeavors, giving of our financial resources for the work of the Lord, ministering to the body of Christ as a whole, discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say go and make members of a church. He said, go and make disciples. Discipleship is a student-teacher relationship. If you're in math class, you are being discipled, young people. You have a teacher, you're being discipled. Although Oregon says, did you guys hear this this past week? (laughs) Oregon has eliminated requirements for math and reading. Uh, It's just like, you know what, if you can't read or write, it's okay. We're going to pass you and just get out there and do drugs and become homeless. That's what's happening in their society. Don't blame me for the truth. That's what's happening in their society. It's sick and it's sad. So discipleship. You see, these are are just a few, but all of these things are vital and should be happening in the church universally, and they are taking place here, praise God. But they only happen when they're sought after as being worthy. You see, we as a staff, we see these things as worthy. So we are implementing them into the church culture. You might not see it as being worthy, coming and listening to young people sing worship songs. You might want to repent and ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to debug your program. I do, I do Sunday morning worship with the children, five-year-olds. I'll, I'll sing a song with the five-year-olds. That's worship. Jesus loves me this I know. For the Bible told me so. That's worship. Why? Because God is worthy. God is worthy. He is worthy. Am I allowing God to be worthy in my life? Going back to what worship truly is, we read in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Why? Because he's worthy. We read it in Revelation. He is worthy. 
How about Matthew 22, 37 through 40? What does Jesus say? Jesus said to him, the rich young ruler, as you read the Gospels, put them together. He was rich, he was young, and he's a ruler. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Because he came to Jesus and said, hey, I love God. How can I get saved? How can I follow God? And so he asked Jesus an an honest question, and Jesus did not rebuke him. Jesus didn't call him a liar. Jesus confirmed that he was, to the best of his ability, doing well. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. How about Matthew 6, 19 through 21? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. This is for you and me today, guys. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For the key for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is God worthy of your life? Not just 2% of one day of one week. You might think, well, I do better than that. I come out on Wednesday nights. Congratulations, you got 4% of the whole week. That's great. (laughs) How about let's look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I got ahead of my story. Here's the, the, the verses that I meant to reference here. Mark 10, 17 through 22. If you're new or visiting, they always, the team always does a great job putting slides up. Please have a paper Bible. Young people, I know, I know older saints, you have them for the font. I get it. I know you have a paper Bible at home. I understand, so don't come after me afterwards. But please have a paper Bible. When they shut your phone off, you're going to want a paper Bible. Mark 10, 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the rich young ruler answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, didn't rebuke him, didn't call him a liar, loved him, and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was very sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions." Now, I'm not inferring that we all do this. We're just keep it in context, so don't get any harebrained idea. God calls you to give it all away, give it all away. But in context, the rich young ruler came to him, asked him. He went away sad because did he own his possessions or did his possessions own him? His possessions owned him. But I found some very interesting verses in Mark 14, 51 and 52. So same gospel. And here's the slide. Now, a certain young man followed him. Now, this is in the garden. But I I find that very interesting. A certain, not just a young man, a certain young man followed him having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. (laughs) Why is the Holy Spirit 
giving us this information. It's the garden, Jesus is being arrested, the boys are all going to flee. Matter of fact, they have fled. And the young men laid hold of him, those who were coming to arrest Jesus, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Is that just filler? Is that just something that God, you know, well, let's just throw something in there. You know, there's, I'm missing some words here. I personally think, and we'll find out in heaven, but I personally think this is the rich young ruler. I personally believe he gave it all away. And he came to Jesus that night, wanting to be a part of the disciples. Again, we'll find out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue about with anybody. How about Job? Or Job, if you're new to the Bible. Turn to Job 1. But it is pronounced Job. We all made that mistake. I'm looking, why do they call him Job when his name is Job? I don't... When you're, when you're a young believer, it's just the way it is. You, you learn as you go. Job chapter 1, 13 through 22. Again, Old Testament. You want to read from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Systematically, every single day. If you do it, you'll, if you do our reading schedule, you can, there's many reading schedules, but if you do our schedule, you're going to get through the New Testament twice, the Old Testament once in a year. Job 1. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up all the sheep, burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Talk about a bad day of news. Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and whined. He fell to the ground and complained. He fell to the ground and said, why me? Why, you don't love me, God. I worshipped you. I brought sacrifices every day for my sons and my daughter. Every day. You can read it in Job. Every day I offered sacrifices to you. And this is how you treat me? I don't want nothing to do with you. Is that what your Bible says? What does your Bible say? And he fell to the ground and worshipped. I don't know. I hope I would do this if I lost everything. I'm not going to be bold and say, I'm going to do that. I, I hope I would through the power of the Holy Spirit. I think I could through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about it a lot, my wife and I. Could you? 
This isn't guilt or condemnation. This is worship. Is God worthy of my life, of all of my life? Giving your children to God. Please take them, do something with them. (laughs) And they're done that. Still doing it. They're in their 30s and 40s now. It's like, Lord, have mercy. (laughs) And he said, listen to Job, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed. He's worshiping. He's showing worth. God, you are worthy. I have no clue what just happened. One servant stopped, another servant stopped, another servant stopped, another. Could you imagine how over, you think you've been overwhelmed in your life? Job just lost, literally. It was a multi-billionaire. He just lost everything. And in the matter of two or three minutes, heard that he just lost everything. Great example for all of us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Read all of the first couple chapters. It's really good. But we're going to go to Job Job 2, 6 through 10. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And Job took for himself a potsherd with with which to scrape himself. Doesn't that sound exciting right there? Scrape himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. Not on his lazy boy. In the midst of ashes. Then his wife, his loving, gracious wife, said to him, (laughs) Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. What a mate. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Okay. All right. And he gave me you. Thank God. But he said to her, what did he say? You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? Isn't that awesome? In this, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. You see, when we look at what is sometimes called the Proverbs 31 woman, I know a few ladies, when you hear this and when you read it, you're like, it's unattainable. It's, it is, there's no way I could ever be like her. It's, it's really unthinkable. I mean, it's just impossible. But what we're looking at is not a moment in time, an act of singing, but again, a lifestyle of worship. So Proverbs 31 says this, Her children stand and call and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world but you surpass them all. You see, it was a lifestyle. Charm is deceitful, and beauty does not last. But a woman who reverences the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her 
praise. Do you remember what Jesus, I just thought about this. Do you remember what Jesus said? I might write this down for the second service. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men, mankind. Let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and they will glorify my Father who is in heaven. Guys, we're in desperate days. There's no question about it. And we could spend hours debating this and that and everything else. No, for God so loves the world. Get right to the heart of the matter. For God so loves the world. For God so loves the world. Do you want to receive Jesus? Do you want to accept Jesus? For God so loves the world. I'm not going to argue race. I'm not going to argue religion. I'm going to talk about Jesus. For God so loves the world. You see, the lamb was worthy because he was slain as the music team comes up. And his blood atoned or covered the sins of humanity. Leviticus 17.11 says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is your blood that makes atonement for the souls. And as we look in Revelation, that is why the saints and angels are proclaiming worthy, worthy. They're at the throne of God. The Lamb, Jesus, comes and takes the scroll. What are they saying about God? You are worthy. What are they saying about Jesus? You are worthy. That, guys, is what worship is all about. Go back to the uh, very beginning. Again, it is a noun. And it is associated with the idea of worth or worthy. Worth or worthy. You see, on this side of heaven, we have so many things biding for our attention and time. If worship is only a time of singing for us and not a lifestyle transformation, then we are missing out on a tremendous amount of worship time during the week. Here's a closing thought to make it personal. It might just be time to reevaluate what worship in my life really means to me. What is worship? And what that looks like practically in my life. How does that play out? God is worthy. When we get in chapter 6, you're going to want to remember that through 18. Because all hell literally is going to break out on this earth. And we are very close to that time. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. It makes us uncomfortable at times. But through that uncomfortableness, your Holy Spirit challenges us to be holy. Your word says clearly, be you holy for I am holy. And so Father, we thank you and praise you that you never leave that to us except in the area of surrender. As we surrender to more of your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit comes in and does the work. That's his job. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you for your Holy Spirit. And we need more of your Holy Spirit in these days we're living in. As hate is being thrown around and promoted, we have to guard our hearts. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're not ambassadors for a race. We're not an ambassador for a political party. We're ambassadors for Christ. 
Help us to love all who cross our paths. Help us to ask them about prayer. How can I pray for you this week? Would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we'd have more boldness in these days we're living in. It's winding down. Your son is coming back for his bride, the church. We're not going to be able to store up any treasure once we're in heaven. It's done. It's over. So, Father, help us to fulfill what Jesus asked us to do, commanded us to do, to store up treasure in heaven. Turn our hearts from this world to heaven that we might keep our priorities correct and straight throughout the whole week. Father, we thank you for this time in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.